Turn your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. Hallelujah. I've got a question to ask you, and you just don't raise your hand, of course, but just, just measure yourself this morning to see if in your life, if you were to stop, and sometimes when you go on vacation and you stop your busy life or you just, you know, get a day off or whatever, you, it all comes in on you, kind of like when somebody in a, on the freeway, someone hits the brakes and everybody just keeps banging in from behind. It's a chain reaction. Sometimes things come in on you. But just ask yourself if you think you've been tired or frustrated or anxious, uh, fatigued, things aren't working, finances are an issue, yet you would say to yourself, I'm going to church, I'm reading the Word, I'm praying, I'm endeavoring to believe God's Word, I'm endeavoring to enter into His anointing, and yet things sometimes don't seem to work. And that's what I want to minister on this morning. There's, there's some keys to staying strong in the end days. Now, there's lots of keys, but the four keys that he spoke to my heart yesterday were that, first of all, you've got to have a dream that you're unwilling to give up. Now, we're not going to minister on that today, but I'm just talking about things that you need to, just a little checkup this morning, that you need to have in your life to stay where you're not tired, where you're not anxious, where you're not frustrated, you're not confused, you're not skeptical is you need to have a dream in your life that you're unwilling to, to forfeit for anybody or anything. you got to be willing to be hungry even when your life is full of blessing. That's number two. You've got to be willing to stay hungry even when you're flowing. you got finances are good, your job, your fa- everything's going good, but you're still hungry for God. How many of you all know that would be important? Hallelujah. Number three, you've got to learn to stay focused. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. You got to stay focused because it doesn't matter how many dreams you have and it doesn't matter, you know, what else is going on. If you can't stay focused, if you're distractible, then you're not going to, you're going to be tired. But what I want to minister on this morning, I'm going to call it first things. You got to prioritize. Everything in the kingdom is priority. And here we are, uh, you got to put value on first things. Say first things. things. Let's say it better. First things, there's, there's, you know, we talk about it jokingly about how you, you, you can take the right digits and dial them in any wrong order, just one digit off, and you'll talk to somebody in New Jersey or, you know, Montana, just because you, you punched in the right numbers, but in the wrong order. So priority is real big with God. Here in 1 Kings chapter 17, let's look in verse 13, and Elijah said unto her, and the, the context here is the, the prophet has come in from from a place of provision that has turned into famine, he said unto this woman, this widow woman, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. And she, what she said was, context was, is I'm going to go make me a little cake, me and my son, and we're going to die. He said, Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Say first. But make me, a little, therefore, a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. So there's an order here. For thus saith the Lord of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. So she did what the man said. She put it first. Order was important. Turn with me to Psalm 34. Make me a little cake first. And she and he and the man of God did eat for many days. The word says here, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, 
but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amen? Now let's turn to Psalm 37. There's many scriptures, but we're going to just look at just a small portion this morning for time's sake. 37, verse 3. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But here it is. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So there's an order here. He said, put me first. The Lord said, put me first. Say first. first. The Lord said, put me first. Put your thoughts, put your attentions, put your affections on me first. These things are there. And he's not saying they don't exist. He's saying they are there. But if you put your affections on me first, say first. He wants them first. He said, if you'll put them on first, then the troubles that are in the world won't affect you. Turn with me to Matthew, if you would. Chapter 6. Let's look at what the Lord Jesus said about your life. You're reading the words. You're praying. You're thinking and meditating on the things of the Lord during the day. But there's, a, there's an anxiety in the world. There's a frustration, a skepticism, a cynicism that's in the world that wants to take you over, wants to encroach, wants to take what is not its. I'm the Lord's. You're the Lord's. We belong to him. Amen? And so he can't have us. But our part, after the Lord Jesus did his part, is to enter in and put first things first. It's so much better. It's so much better. You know this is so much better than to pray, to pray out the plan that God has for your life and, and obey the plan on its path than to have to pray yourself out of trouble. To get yourself and say, Lord, here I am praying. We got trouble. And describe the trouble and beseech him and then confess the scriptures and standing on the word and having done all to stand, to stand therefore. That's never God's best. It's best to just get in there in the day of bounty, the day of tranquility, the day of fullness, and say, Lord, I got up so happy and so full this morning. We must press in and find out what the plan is. And go there in prayer instead of having to go in another way in prayer. Using the promises to affirm who you are rather than try to get yourself out of the clutches of the devil. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, let's look in verse 30. There's so much here, but we'll just start in verse 30. Because Jesus is teaching on priorities here and, and, and distraction. He talks to them about the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, and how they don't get wound up and how well they have it. Verse 30 says, Therefore, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, so there's the therefore, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or with, wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now he's, he's, he's using these three terms 
to encompass life. It's not, just, it's not a clothing and an eating issue. It's a life issue. He's talking about life. And back then, that was majorly what life was, is, is getting around, eating, and, and having a wardrobe of some kind. He says uh, in verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So he's making a contrast there between us and the Gentiles, saying you ought not to be. Remember the story where the Lord uh, ministered the woman that was bent over for 18 years? And he said, ought not this woman, a child of Abraham, you know, ought not this woman, ought, she ought not to be like this. It ought not to be this way. He said, Take note, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. I am so glad to know the Lord said that, that he knows we need these things. Lord, I'm just, I'm just spiritual. I'm just praying. Uh, you know, I don't need food. I don't need a house. I don't need, no, we need all that stuff. And so it, the temptation, naturally speaking, is to make sure the Lord knows. He knows. The Lord knoweth you need all these things. I submit to you, he knows you need more stuff than you even know you need. And we say, Lord, I hate to bother you for this. He wants you to have stuff that you wouldn't ever ask him for. Because the call and the purpose and the, and the dream of God in your life, the purpose for you living in this generation is so great, you must be equipped. So much more. So much more than we even know. And then verse 33, he says, but. He said, the Lord knows you need these things, but. Those things being on you, a weight, an anxiety, a pressure, a thing that you get up every day saying, Lord, I know, I know I need these things. I'm, I'm off to work, I go. I'm off to, you know, to feed the chickens or to, you know, clean the table, wash the clothes, you know, whatever is in life. Lord, I have need of these things. He said, I know, but there's a way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Say, these things, these things, these things, whatever pertains to life. First Peter talks about that, you know, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All these things that pertain to life, he said, they shall be added unto you. Now, this is a promise that the Lord Jesus made to you and me. And this encompasses your life, your natural waking life, this encompasses what most people are out of whack in life about. This answers it right there. The answer is here. I said the answer is here. But believing is, is getting your faith around that and entering into it is the whole question. It's not like, Lord, do you not have an answer? The answer is here. The, the endeavor is, is to get myself around that because of the pressure of growing up in our society in life and having the, the, the pattern and the routine of entering into worry and anxious thought about eating, drinking. In other words, just what are we going to do about life? Being a good provider for our homes and, and making sure our future is secure. No, 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 no. But see, he said, you, you, now it's taken over your whole life. Instead of spending a little time, taking a little thought, now it's just encompassed. It's just sucked you dry. There's nothing left for me. He said, if you'll put me first, things will different. This word seek in verse 33, seek ye first. The word seek there is actually the word crave. And it also means to require or to demand. But demand the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, that would be a change. 
You, you can hardly get people to come to church. You can hardly get people to read their Bible. Hardly can get them to come to a prayer meeting in the sense of, oh, yeah, you got one, I'm on it. I remember when we first got filled with the Holy Ghost, they'd have meetings in Abilene. They'd have meetings in Lubbock. They'd have meetings in Dallas. And we'd load our little wagon up and we'd go. We were craving the kingdom of God. We had so been so empty from the things of this world, surrounded with farmers that had thousands. Tractors cost $100,000, and there's a stable of them. A combine cost $200,000. A, a, a stripper, you know, just all the things that in land, $1,000 an acre, and people having uh, 1,500 acres. Just vast wealth. Of course, no cash flow, most of them. You know, they, they, you know, driving old pickups, living in old houses. But, but just all this around, but just such emptiness. And when we got full of the Holy Ghost, we said, forget that. We want God. But now you find people that are so acclimated, so brainwashed to this world system, they're not craving even to the point of requiring and demanding the things of God, the kingdom of God. And the Lord said, it's the answer. He said, why are you putting your shoulder against this big door trying to beat it down when I've given you the little three-ounce brass key? Slip it into the lock, turn it, and go freely in. Wouldn't that be smarter? Wouldn't we think that's foolish for just to sit there and pound on a door with our shoulder that has never been open when we've got the key in our hand? He said, seek. Seek. So there's a demanding, there's a craving that has to be cultivated. And then he said this next word, which is so important, seek ye first. Now, order is important to the Lord. It is essential that you get this in order. There's two kinds of people. There's people that don't want the things of God. It's, order is not an issue to them. They're not going after God no matter when you put God on the list. Put him at 10 o'clock at night, put him at, you know, 4 in the morning. They're not going there. But there's other people that have just got encumbered with life. I said they're just so busy. There's just so much demand in this society, false demand. Our children are demanding, go here, go there, put me in school, do this activity. We got to be a part of this. The carnival's come to town. There's a fair over here. We need a horse. We need six dogs. We, we need to, you know, we need six computers. You know, all the things. That's just your kids. Then you, then you got a wife, you know, and she didn't go away when the kids came in and the job got big. And so you got that, and then you got a boss. 40 hours? Well, who made that rule? And all that sort of stuff. So, so there's no more eighth day coming. There's no more than 24 hours coming. What you got is what you got. So he said, seek ye first. It's a first thing. Some people aren't going to go after God no matter how much time, no matter what you took off of them, no matter how much money you gave them. They win the lotto. Listen, those people that win the lotto, they don't seek God more. They don't buy time-saving devices so they can have more time with the Word. They're not going to prayer meetings more. People that don't have anything, they're trying to scratch out something. People that have been blessed, they've got a good living, they've got a good job, good career, everything's in order and everything, but now they're taking what they're making and going and having pleasure with it. Well, listen, we, you know, God gave us all this blessing. We need to be gone on the weekend to, you know, play with the boat and go here and there. You know, everything in measure, but you don't find any event in life that would say, now we can serve God, we can seek God, now God will be our priority. I said, there's no scenario that you're, that you're looking to. If you think so, then you're deceived. Well, when the kids get gone, we'll have time. Listen, I've already been down that road. That, that doesn't happen. Retired people, well, when I get rid of this boss, 
I find retired people to be the busiest people I know. When I like, you, when, when did you work? When did you have 40 hours out of your life? Because, you know, I can't go to that because I'm, you know, doing this and doing that. So there's no scenario that this world can offer you where you can just say, now i got time for God. So there's people that are never going to seek God, but then the rest of us, it's like, well, Lord, I'm getting to you. But it's second. You just got to change it. You just got to change it. You, you can't accommodate it. But now, see, you would if you knew there was benefits. I'm going to show you what the Word says about the benefits of seeking first the kingdom of God. He said, seek ye first. This word first means first in time or place. It means everything. It means first in time. It means first in place. It means first in any succession of things or persons. In other words, it just means there's nobody that you can put in front of this. This is first. First in every realm, in every category. It also means first in rank, first in influence, first in honor. It just means everything, that you can't put something else. Not your kids. Now, do we love our kids? We love our children. We're called to honor them and to raise them and to bring them into the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We are called to present them to the Lord, perfected in the faith. But we're not called to make idols out of them. We've got to put our children in perspective. Listen to me. You've got to put your grandchildren in perspective. Whatever scenario in life, everything good that God gives you is going to demand a perspective that is holy and that is sanctified, or you'll lose your life from the blessings of God. Well, I've got a career. Well, I've got, you know, I'm, they need me. Yeah, they need you. But, you know, they don't need you as much as you need God to seek first because these things are fragile. These things, the Word says that our life is like a vapor of smoke. All of a sudden things change. And if you've made the wrong play, you've made the wrong choice, you are nothing. You just think about all the people that were beaten on the ark when Noah closed the door. They've made paintings about that. You know, they're all just, uh, you know, projections, but you can just imagine. They didn't even know what a boat was until it rained. And all of a sudden, all the people that made the wrong choice saw the wisdom of Noah. People that had mocked him, people that had ridiculed him, people that had had relationships with this family that cut him off because he just wouldn't play their game. And all of a sudden, the righteous were being delivered. Well, that's what you got to do. I mean, it takes faith. It doesn't take faith to see things that are just natural. It takes faith to go against the grain, where you have to take what's in here and make that the standard of your life versus what you feel like, what the world is doing, what is natural. Your whole life, Christian, is going to be going against the grain. I said, you can't ever get to the place of coasting. Financially, you'll never get to the place of, whew, we can quit believing God. We finally got enough. It'll never happen. With your body, you never get to the place where you say, I got this thing whooped. There's never a place where you can disengage and coast in the world. The world is cursed. And God does not want you taking your, your vacation or the blessings of the Lord and spending them in there. When I say vacation, I'm talking about, well, Lord, I've been serving you all, all year. I'm going to take a trip to the world, and I'm leaving you here, and I'll be back next week. You have to take him. You, have to do, you cannot vacate him. Lord, I got this much money. Thanks. It's been nice prospering with you. 
You, there's no way. There's no chance. There's no opportunity for that. So seek ye first the kingdom. The, the word kingdom there, literally, if you look it up, it means the domain of the king. So you could say it's the, it's the dominion or the reign of God. Seek first the authority of God. I'm seeking first, Lord, your plan, your dominion, your reign in my life. What do you have for me? I have no plan. I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I have no plan until I discover your plan. See, that's part of seeking first, the kingdom, the reign of God. Instead of saying, Lord, here's what I want to do. Would you bless it? I said that's what most Christians do. They find what fits. They find what feels good. They find what they want to do. You know, I was talking to, to Debbie last night about my dad, you know, and, and just using him for an example. He's a farmer, and I've never seen such a dedicated individual to a vocation. But, you know, my dad would say he was a farmer, and, and it's to my knowledge, he's a very intelligent man. He's a very uh, a driven man. Um, there's just nothing lacking in his life concern, in, in a lot of areas. But for him to think of himself in any other dimension other than to be a farmer is impossible. I said, he, you just take him to heaven if he can't farm. If he can't get out and, and scoot around on the dirt, you know, drive through it and look at it, there's no, he has no reason to exist. Well, that's, that's really special in some ways, but it's pretty narrow in other ways. That your whole life cannot function outside the very narrow strata of that vocation. And see, we're not to become vocationally minded. That is just something we do. Paul made tents, but, you know, when he sold the last one or built the last one, he just moved on. People ask me for years, you know, don't you miss farming? Because I was like my father. I was a sold-out, dedicated, very focused individual in the farming community. I, I started a young, cha a young farmer's chapter there, and I j just was completely absorbed. But when the Lord changed it and took me out, I left it completely behind. Well, that's what you got to be. you got to seek first the dominion, the reign of God, and say, Lord, whatever you want. You know, let's go wait tables today. Let's go change oil down at the quickie change or whatever. It does not matter because finances are not an issue. Well, Lord, i got this education. i got this, you know, this big matters none if we're focused and depending on him. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, his dominion and reign, and then he said the promise and all these things, say these things, what things is he saying these things? He's relating that back to verse 30 and 31 where he says, these things that the Gentiles seek after, the things that they're totally immersed in, he said they come as a byproduct. So here's the principle here. There's some things that have creative power when they're put in order. When you do some things, they will create other things when you do them in the right order. If you seek first the kingdom of God, what you do in seeking the kingdom, the reign, the dominion of God, it will produce, it will create, it will provide you these things. While all the, the heathen, the Gentiles is what he's talking about, while they're out busting it for a living for what they can wear, what they can drink, and what they can eat, the life, it takes all of their life to make their life, if you'll seek first the kingdom, he said. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're on the mission field. That doesn't mean you're necessarily in the ministry. That doesn't necessarily mean you have given yourself off to be a man of the cloth or whatever. No, it just means you're seeking. You're under the reign and dominion. You're a school teacher. You're a, a software programmer. Whatever you are, 
But that's not who you are. It's just what you're doing right now. You never let that thing dominate you. You know that movie, uh, The Mask, where the, the guy put on the mask and he became that thing. Well, that's not who we are, but that's what the world usually is. They're locked in. Well, you know, I became a lawyer, I became a teacher, and that's who I am. No, that's not who I am. That's just what I'm doing as I do what, who I am. And so there's things that you can do that if you do them first, it doesn't mean that if you just do them, but if you do them first, they have the ability to create vast amounts of things. Well, see, now people are doing these things. They're seeking the kingdom, but not necessarily first. Did you hear me? Now, this is important because people are frustrated. Well, I'm a Christian, and I'm in the church, and I'm praying, and I'm reading the Word, and I'm with people, and I don't do bad things, not much, and I repent of them when I do, you know, and all these things, and, and yet the world has put pressure on them, and they're, they're feeling that pressure, and they're going, what's the deal? It's that little word, first. It's that little word, first. Because when you put it second or otherwise, it is just as carnal, just as natural as the things that the Gentiles seek. It loses its creative power. Well, I don't know about that. Well, you never will. You have to engage it. Well, why are certain people so blessed? I wonder what they're doing. You know, some people thought we were selling drugs or selling something, you know, because it just seems like as pastors, you know, it's like, well, how do y'all get what you get and do what you do and go where you go and all that? And I'm not looking at us, but I'm talking about us and other people. You go, they must have a deal on the side. It's this principle. I said it's this principle where you engage him first. And all these things are added. The word added there really means repeated or increased. All these things are repeated unto you. All these things are increased unto you. And one version talks about multiplied. Well, when you're working, when you've got a job, when you have a vocation, and you focus on that solely, completely, you, and listen, when you give yourself to a job to advance in it, there's very little left over for God. This world system's got it where you have to be a company man or looking. You're either in the company or you're looking. People are, are, are very job conscious right now. And so when you become that and enter into that, the things of God are pressured. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to go to church every time the doors are open. Prayer, <laughs> mm. men's meetings, Ugh, sorry. These things become an issue, and they should never be an issue. That's, it's not who we are. And so what you have is a people that have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, and that makes them seeking the kingdom secondly. Maybe not always, certainly not in intent. If you were to say, do you intend to put God first? Yes! I love him. He's my life. He's my whole. I depend on him wholly. But I can't be there, and I can't give, and I can't do, and I can't pray, and I can't, my kids, you know, got to be in bed, and, and I got a job. I got to get up early, or I got a job. I got to work the night shift, or whatever. 
And it's all this plethora of excuses or reasons that, that we say. And we justify it by saying, that's how it is. Don't you know that's how it is? It doesn't matter to me. I'm just looking at what Jesus said would always work. He said, if you put me first, all this stuff that you're plowing after and putting off for, he said, it'll be added, increased, multiplied, and given unto you. And so you can't have a lackadaisical religious experience and have the promises of God activated in your life. You can't even be someone that's just a little buzzed, you know. Woo, yeah. You know, in our circles, in this day, if anybody gets really radical about the things of God, you know what they say? You must be called into the ministry. You must be called. But over in Africa, over in Asia, where the largest churches are, the largest churches in America is, is Brother Joel Osteen's at 47,000 people. The next largest church is around 26,000. And then number two through 10 hover around 20,000. And then they drop the, the 100th largest church in America is 6,000 people. So we have, uh, you know, lots of churches that have lots of people. But if, if, uh, if you go overseas, they have churches everywhere that are 200,000 people. And, and, uh, and we watched a man down in Mexico that you can't even be on his staff until you've raised somebody from the dead. There's a, here, we think that if you come to three meetings and tithe, that you're called into the ministry or you're a deacon material or you're, you know, make you an elder. We've been for years saying, Lord, we want to put elders at Word of Life Church or our other church. But, you know, because all these other churches got elders. But we said, Lord, we got to have somebody that fulfills the qualifications. Not that they necessarily, then after that we said, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be right to put a name on people. You know, if you're a bishop or if you're an elder or if you're a deacon, whether somebody acknowledges it and gives you a certificate and gives you a meeting to go to, doesn't make you or not make you, you are by virtue of the office you hold. Anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. Just because you get faithful, just because you enter into some things, doesn't make you something special, make you something that's, that's been called out or ordained. You're just supposed to be a regular believer at that. I said, lay hands on the sick, and we'll just call you a believer. Oh, he's, got a, he's, a, he's an apostle. Right now, we're in this, this culture right now that, that, that people that are just 22 years old are calling themselves prophets. We saw on TV the other day where a, a young man, he's just 12 or 13 years old, and he calls himself a prophet. Give me strength. Oh, he can preach, he's articulate, but you know, there's uh, savants and people that are very, very uh, intelligent and very gifted in area, but you wouldn't say they were supposed to be something. No, we let God put the label on us. And these people overseas, they go to church all the time. They're raising the people from the dead. They're, the miracles are abounding. And yet they, don't, they, they go to work and they're raising their family. What I'm saying that for is to say that just because somebody gets hot doesn't mean they're called into the ministry. We're all supposed to be hot. We're all supposed to be seeking first the kingdom. And we're all supposed to be having these things added in, unto us. We're out of order. And so there's a compromise on the scriptures. It makes you where you can't really know if you're going to heaven because you can't prove the word of God saying, well, I'm loving God and I'm believing God, but you know, I'm struggling financially or I'm having this issue in my life or disease is here in my body or my family's a wreck or this, that, and the other. And we're saying, I don't know if the Bible's true, but we hadn't followed the Bible. You got to follow the Bible. And the Bible says, seek first the reign, the kingdom, and the dominion of God first. The choice we've got to make right now, family, is just to tell you honestly, we've got to decide if we're going to grow a backbone or if we're just going to limp on through life and live a lie. 
We're going to be pseudo-Christians. We're going to go to heaven because we did qualify. Although, turn with me to Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10 right now. Let's just go there for a moment. Praise his name. Once you look at this scripture here, I know you've looked at it a a gazillion times, but look in verse 9. Let me read this verse 9 to you and just see what the word really says because, see, we've misread the word. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Savior Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Did you know that's the way we've lived it? If thou shalt confess the Savior Jesus. Well, Lord, I'm asking you into my heart to save me from my sins, to forgive me of my sins. That's not even scriptural, to forgive me of my sins. But it's not the Savior Jesus. What is it? Lord Jesus. Say it with me. Lord Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Lord Jesus. So you can't literally, you can't enter into the new birth just saying, Lord, I want you to deliver me from hell and my sins. Well, what a deal is that? The reason not everybody gets born again that's presented with the gospel is because it's inherent that he wants to be Lord. He wants to have control. He wants to have a kingdom that you're a part of and come under. Instead of you being the king of a kingdom that's just got a relationship with his kingdom. Well, Lord, I've got a little domain over here. You know, you got anything I need, I'll give you something I have if you give me something you have. I'll pray a little while if you'll heal me. Or I'll, you know, I'll give a little if you'll, if you'll make a deal with my kids. And it's not that way at all. I said he's the Lord Jesus. And so it's not going to work. Now listen to me, family. Just might as well be bold this morning. It's not ever going to work putting him second and your life is not going to change and the kids moving and getting out of college and finally paying off the bills and getting the car paid for and all the things that you think that's when my life's going to change back in 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 08 you know when when we pay off the big one or or when we get this and that you know we're it's not going to change nothing's going to change it just changes over it takes on a new form but it's going to be the same. Pressure in your life, having to do everything the same until you make the kingdom first without having to be an apostle. Us having to put robes on you and put a sash around you and put you a parking spot that says the apostle Jimmy Jack, you know, or whatever, saying because, because he's made the kingdom first. That's just a facade. That's a, it's, a, it's a lie against the believer. We're all that way. We're all that place. Now, we're not taken away from that office, which is true and in God. There are the office of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. There is those offices. And when you're called to it and you fulfill it, you have the benefits and the responsibilities of it. But just because you're faithful and just because you believe God doesn't put you in that office. We've got to get a backbone. You're going to have to change. And you know, if we were just first church, you wouldn't hear this message because that's, they don't expect to change. They're, they're living that, that gospel I'm talking about. But we are presenting a gospel that puts emphasis on the promises. This is God has said. He has said and he will do it. But we got to come back and say, but you have to make him first. We should be calling a prayer meeting here at Word of Life Church and people canceling things all over the church. Actually, we should have people in the spirit that said, you know, I just have to leave that date open because I just got something in my spirit that uh, they hadn't said anything yet, but I just, you know, there's something about that date. I can't go do the PTA thing. And sure enough, then you come church Sunday and they find out we're having a prayer meeting. And that's how we're supposed to live. 
You go, well, that's, that's bizarre. No, that's who we are in him. And that's who the scriptures, that's who the promises works for. We've entered into a whiny kingdom. A whiny, weak, watered-down kingdom. And we've tried to get the promises to work. We finagled them, and then we made excuses about them. And it's wrong. And it's, we, we are just a short time span from his return. And it's not that we're in fear, but it's that we have a responsibility that we have to fulfill because he called us as the church. In other words, why are we not all in some other church, either together or in separate places, if there's not a specific call on this body to fulfill and accomplish some things? A particular vision that demands your particular gifts and demands your particular callings. Why, the Shires have moved here from Texas to, to be in this church. But many of you have, just as traumatically, if that was so, have moved out of families or moved out of other churches or moved out of different situations that were very testing and trying at the time. Now you go, well, sure, piece of cake. But at the time, it was major because you had to leave people you loved. So why would he call us to do all that if we weren't supposed to do something great together? But if we ease back into a living that does not put him first, we have nothing more. And we have nothing to offer. Because then we all just have to go to work. We all just have to watch our dollars. Got to watch that, you know, don't give in the offering too much or don't, you know, don't be taking them out to dinner too big because, you know, we got to watch it. That's not how the kingdom worked. Jesus just put the money over there with, with, the, with the thief and still had enough to feed everybody and work everybody and support 12 of his guys and their families on the road and he still had someone draining it off, sending it to a condo down in South, South Lebanon or wherever, you know. <laughs> Playing the ponies. <laughs> or the camels. <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. First things have a creative authority. Let's just say that together. It just sounds so good. I want us all to say that together. First things have a creative authority. When they're engaged first... In other words, when they're not put behind something else that diminishes their power and their authority, when they're put first, they have a creative authority. Jesus specified in that one scripture, he said specifically, they will encompass these things, you're living. Put me first, the kingdom of God, doesn't mean that you have to go off to a monastery to seek first the kingdom, doesn't mean that you're stuck up here at the church all the time, you've opened it up, pastor comes in, he leaves, and then you lock it up at, when the sun goes down, you're here all the time. It doesn't mean that. It just means that in everything, he has the first. And people say, well, that means I'll never go on vacation. The Lord wouldn't want that. I'll never buy a new car, because then, see, that's the fear. No, he'll lead you to buy a new car, a nice car, a good car. One they go, ooh, nice car. He'll lead you to a nice house. They go, hmm, nice place. Yeah, you don't have to be ashamed of it because he'll lead you there. He'll supply that. Well, I don't know if I give the Lord the carte blanche in my life. Well, I'll be over here in a, you know, a little, a little hole and driving a little thing, and we won't have enough to get around because, you know, I'm going to be living by faith. Living by faith is the highest place you can live. You never lived. You never lived. You never knew anybody that lived better than the people that live by faith. I'm, I'm telling it. I'm telling the truth, y'all. But to live by faith doesn't mean that you just go quit your job and say, well, I'm living by faith. Living by faith means you live in the dominion and reign of the kingdom.
You're looking at him first. Well, there's no backtracking. There's no jerky back. There's no, well, we did this, but we're having to back up because you're praying. You're under the authority of your pastor. You have a seeing and a knowing about your life that you're at the right place at the right time. Money cometh. Sickness and disease go aroundeth. It's just a whole nother life. But very few, because of fear, are willing to enter in. We're in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, uh, here's the first things. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. What will happen if I do that? So shall thy barns, or the word is literally translated accounts, are filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall. So there's a, there's a creative authority in honoring the Lord first. Who knew? Who knew? We just thought if we threw him in there, that we just acknowledged him. Just put him in there in the day. Put him in there in the budget somewhere. Lord, I'm paying the electric bill. We're going to pay the house payment. And then we'll know what we can give to you. Well, you know, you, they go, well, now we're giving. Look at our record. We're giving. Go look it up. We're giving. But we're struggling, and we're kind of like don't have enough. Why? Because you didn't give it first. Are you with me this morning? you got to give it first. And that doesn't mean grudgingly. It means cheerfully. It's like, whoo, I got paid. It was $1,000. And before the check goes in the bank, you write that 100 out. It's gone. It's, it's out of the account. And when you post it in your little register, it went in as 900 or whatever. I mean, however you do it, it's not like, mm, let me go home and see what mama went to Sears this last month. And, you know, I got to make sure. If you're going to think like that, you do need to go make sure. Because you're going to have to go, you know, work a little overtime and do a little deal on the side because you, it's not going to be enough. It never will be. Well, I got a new account and I got a new interest rate on my house. Things are going to be better. It just gets swallowed up. I said it never gets better. You rise up to a new level financially, but then there's just as much pressure at that level as there was at the other level. I'm talking about what the Bible says. Put first things first, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, we've got to get a backbone. You're going to, with your one and only life, going to have to step out and quit being careful. Say careful. Careful is a bad word. It's a bad word. It's not a God word. Be careful is not a God word. It's not a God word. You're supposed to be carefree. We take no thought. We take no anxious thought. We have no care. Why? Because we're seeking first the kingdom. You know, even when Abraham was raising the knife, the ram was over there trying to get out of the thicket. He just thought, you know, stupid sheep. You know, I'm, I'm over here being spiritual with God, and the stupid sheep is, you know, he's over there distracting me. He raised the knife, and all of a sudden, that stupid sheep was the sacrifice that he had. No matter how much you put into God, he will always make a way out. It'll be supernatural until the supernatural becomes natural. I said it'll be a miracle. When you put him first, you create an atmosphere for miracles because the natural side will not supply. The Sears bill will be there when you get home. She did go on a rampage, and it is, you know, and your son graduated. When Eric graduated, when Eric got married, when Colin got married, these are things, Lawrence and Kathleen know, many of y'all know, these are things that come into your life that aren't in the budget. And you didn't get a big raise where the boss said, hey, I see your kids are getting married this year. Let's, let's do something to help that along. No. That's, and you have that, and you go, how are we going to do it? You just don't take a thought. You're just not careful. 
When it comes to surplus offering, you're going, whoo, God has made a way. Thank God there was a thicket over there. Blasted bush, it's got thorns on it, you know. I mean, why am I up here with that thing, you know, around me? It was to hold the ram. Things that don't seem to matter or don't make sense, all of a sudden they have purpose in your life when you put him first. Because God has already done it for you. It's full. Jimmy Beck, it's full. Miss Rona, it's full. Miss Valerie, it is abounding. John Baker, it's over the top. There's no way you could even ask or imagine, according to Ephesians 3.20, what he has already set aside for you in your life. All he needs is for you to get the priority right. You're going to do it. We're going to give. I said we're going to tithe. We're going to give. It's just a matter of how we're doing it. Yeah, I'm, here's that tithe. Man, I barely had enough after the grocery bill, but, but I did, praise God. Here it comes. We won't write that thing out. It left us 16 cents. You know, 10% off of no matter what you make still leaves 90%. So when, you, when, you, when the tithe comes in like that, when you bring the tithe in and say, whew, we barely had enough to tithe. There's something wrong right there. You just know that it has no creative authority in your life, and you almost tithed in vain. I don't want to say that you did because you didn't, but not doing it under his authority and by his command, you didn't get the creative power. So you got to go work. This morning, we're going to acknowledge the Lord Jesus.